Welcome to the Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. Home. It looks different for each of us. But no matter what yours may look like, there's a good chance that we all want home to be something similar. It's your home. What do you want it to be like? It's great to see you guys. Thank you so much for blessing each other. You guys did an awesome job. You should give yourselves a hand for that. Um, I guess you don't like, uh, I don't, you don't really like to give yourselves a big hand. That's okay. I want to welcome everyone who's joining us online. Uh, thank you so much uh, for being a part of what God is doing. And uh, if you would, open your Bibles to James 3. And a few years ago, we were throwing a, a party in the backyard of our house, and we decided to invite uh, a personal chef. I don't know if you've ever had a personal chef, but they're pretty awesome. So this personal chef was great. Cooked up exactly what we wanted, just like we wanted it. It was, it was awesome. And... Um, he added a little bit of his flair, but in the end, it was great having a personal chef. I said that because I just want to kindly and lovingly remind you that we aren't your personal chef. <laughs> We're not here to cook up what you want. In fact, God has designed his church not to be a place where we would get what we want, but it would be a place where we would get what we need. This is, this is his house. And in his house, his desire is not that we would just feel better, but that we would get better. Because he designed the church, the bride, to be healthy and to be beautiful. And that is his intention so that we might go out into all the world, into our homes, into our neighborhoods, and we might bring that beauty uh, to the world around us. And so I'm setting you up just so that you can feel where we're going to go. Let me remind you, though, of the role and goal of the pastor and really the fivefold ministry gift. It's here in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. It says this. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work, to do his work, and build up the church, the body of Christ. That's the, that's the role. That's the goal, uh, to do his work. And here's the, why that's good news for us, because his work, his labor, actually ends in rest. That's what Hebrews 4.11 tells us, labor to enter into rest. Most of the work and labor that you and I do leaves us more exhausted than ever. But when we do his work, we actually get the reward of rest. And we're here to build his body. Uh, so we're here to assess. We're here to take inventory. Where am I? And to be able to then bring uh, people into our lives that we can count on, accountability, so that we can train and develop. So we're here really to be more like personal trainers and coaches. All right, I love what Tom Landry said. He said, a coach is someone who tells you what you don't want to hear, who has you see what you don't want to see, so that you may become what you've always known you can be. And all of us are here, created in the image of God, created with the Spirit of God living on the inside of us. If we have accepted 
Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, and God has great things for our lives. Now, we're in a series titled In My Home, and it has been our desire to give you a map, really a biblical map, to go to the ancient path that we might see how we can build the blueprint for our home, how we can actually bring maturity and growth into our home so that we could bring about the blessing God desires. And we said this at the home is a habitat. It's the place where you reside. So if you're here and you're single, married, married with kids, your grandparents, empty nesters, if you live in a dorm, you live in a box or a van down by the river, this is for you because we all uh, have a place in an environment where we reside and that we're called to steward. Now in week one of the series, Preston really gave us a literal punch to the mouth in a, a message titled, 10 Ways to Destroy My Home. And I jokingly said that this is kind of like, you know, when you go into Hobby Lobby and you know those in my house signs that you can buy, uh, this was sort of the antithesis of that, although it was still powerful because he gave you 10 ways really of our troublesome tongues, our mouths that get us into constant trouble. Now you may not want to uh, put this sign in the entryway of your home, but you might want to stick it in the garage just so you can go there every now and again and sort of look at ways that we use our tongue and our mouth to destroy people, one another, uh, our children. We bring death, we bring destruction. And today, I actually want to come from a different angle, all right? I want to, I want to do the contrast of that message, and I want to talk not about destruction, I want to talk about construction. And Preston made a statement in that uh, message that I think we need to hear again. And he said, the speed of demolition is a hundred times faster than the speed of construction. So I say that because I don't have 10 points for you today. I only have three because it takes a little longer to build things. And the title of my message is Three Ways to Build My Home. And I want to cast vision about what's possible, but about what God sees. And James 3.2 is where we're going to start. James 3.2 says this, Indeed, we all make many mistakes. Yeah. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. If we could. I like that. That, that, is a, that is language of imagine. 1 Peter 3.10 says this, if you want to enjoy life, who here would like to enjoy life? All right, it's about half the crowd. The rest of you? Nope. Uh-uh. I do not want to enjoy life. If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Good word. Here, here is what I want us to get. God has a wonderful plan for our words. God has a wonderful plan for our words. He has a purpose, an intent. He has a vision. And he, he desires that our words would be on mission. That they would be on target. Shot at a bullseye. Because our lives move in the direction of our mouths. Words they direct our existence and our relationships. They shape our observations and experiences. Years ago, um, in a church that we were at, we had a struggling single mother who had two uh, twin boys. And they were rambunctious, 
to say the least. They were ramba. They were full of energy, all right? And she had her hands full. And one day she walked into service, and this is kind of humorous and then a little bit disturbing on one side, but she walked in and her two boys had shirts on, and one of the boys was wearing a shirt, and the word across the front of the shirt was chaos. And the other boy had a shirt, and he was wearing uh, that said on the front, disorder. Chaos and disorder, all right? Some of you kind of want to laugh. It, it was funny at first, but in reality, this mother who was doing her very best to basically handle the weight of what she had in front of her needed to be trained. Because we all make many mistakes, James says, right? She needed to be trained on how she could use her words to speak life over her children because her children were actually showing up the way that she had titled them. So to get us started, I want to make just a few foundational statements. Right? You can write these down. Uh, the first one is this. Words are powerful. Words are powerful. Now, that's true in the negative, and we, we went over that in week one, and I'd encourage you to go back and listen to it because... If you read the book of Proverbs, Proverbs does the compare and contrast. It tells you, here's, here's the destruction, but here's what your words can produce. So it goes back and forth. But I want to ponder the positive today. I want us to fix our gaze on that because words, words are powerful. They're containers. What's in the container of the words that you're speaking? Words are like seeds. They're potent with power. What kind of seeds are you and I planting? And are we giving the importance and significance, and do we truly understand the power of words? You know, it's interesting that if you go back several years, um, the words that we hear are powerful, the words that we speak are powerful, but it used to be that um, news only came on like in the evening. You remember this? Some of you who are a little bit older remember you had the evening news. And then they decided to open up the morning news. And now we have 24-hour news, right? 24-7, constant negative news. It's just just bombarding us. And it, it has an impact. The words that we host in the home of our hearts has an impact on that. Talk to people. Ask them. Take inventory of what you've been listening to. And it's not just coming from the news stations, it's also coming from environments where we are placed in, and it has an impact and effect. We're at war. We talked about it last week, Ephesians 6, 12, right? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. We're at war, and we fight with weapons. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, it says this, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Strongholds are stories that we get stuck in that cause us to stagnate. You know, it's, it's, it's basically a situation happens to you and it ultimately becomes a story you get stuck in. Something uh, has wounded you or hurt you and it begins to play over and over again. It's just a story, but we have divine power to demolish strongholds. We also demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We fight with weapons. Now, we think of weapons as sort of our dictionaries define it, something used to injure, defeat, or destroy. 
Here's how the Bible defines a weapon. An instrument, armor, a resource to prevail in every form of spiritual warfare. Here's the weapon that's not of this world. The word of God. The weapon that we fight with that's not of this world is the word of God. Anytime you want to hear God's voice, all you have to do is just speak his word. Anytime. Our words are powerful. Here's the this, here's this second thing. Now, we've all heard this statement, talk is cheap. And it's true. We need action. We don't just need, like, just words, idle words. But it's also true that talk isn't cheap. Like, words have weight, negative and positive. I want us to focus again. Ponder the positive. They have weight. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Seriously, the stakes are high. The stakes are high for our words, and it's so important that we come into a time and a moment like this where we take inventory and we take notice and we pay attention and we start to set the intentions of our words because God has a plan and he has a purpose for our words. Here's the last foundational thing. Words come from somewhere. They have a source. They come from somewhere. Now, our lives move in the direction of our words, but our lives also move in the direction of our thoughts. See, we think things in our mind. So we said this during this series. We said, you know, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head. We've all had thoughts and we're just like, man, where did that thing come from? But we can stop them from nesting in our hair. We'll talk about that in just a second. But we think things in our mind. But we also think things in our hearts. This is where we do deep thinking. Luke 6, 43 through 45, it says this, a good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. Let me, let me give you the, the deeper definition that, that we see in the Greek. A beautiful tree can't produce rotten fruit and a rotten tree can't produce beautiful fruit. Those, those will help us. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good or a beautiful person produces beautiful things from the treasury of a beautiful heart and a rotten person produces rotten things from the treasury of a rotten heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Proverbs 23, 7. As a man or as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. See, we need to understand a little bit more about the heart. Because the time in which we live, actually science is proving scripture. So your heart is a thinking thing. They've actually proven that there are neurons and ganglia in your heart. Your heart, physical organ, has a central nervous system in it. And there is a vagus nerve that connect, connects your heart to your brain. And when the Bible says that as a man thinks in his heart, the word for think there in Hebrew actually means your thoughts are a gatekeeper to the heart. And it's not far-fetched for us to understand this concept. 
Because when scripture tells us to be sober-minded, to be vigilant, those of you who are married or have been married, have you ever gotten into an argument with your spouse where you were flooded with emotion and said things that maybe you wish you hadn't have said? I mean, have you ever done that with your child? I mean, just this week, my son who's 15 has his permit and uh, he was driving, uh, I was driving with him and he was in the driver's seat and as he was kind of slowing down in this parking lot, he went from drive to park without stopping. And I can tell you that I was flooded in that moment with some emotions. See, we don't understand how incredibly important this is. Psalms 19 says this, Psalms 19, 14. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my God, my, my rock, and my redeemer. Let me, let me just paint this picture. See, we are encouraged all throughout Scripture to persuade, to direct, to guard our hearts, to guide our hearts. Uh, Mark 4.23, it says this, the measure of thought and study. Not, not just sort of this mindless way of repeating or parenting even Scripture. Just saying, although that can be more benef beneficial than just the news that you're constantly spouting out or what this person has said or gossip or lying or whatever it is. Like, but this is what it says. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue, power, and knowledge that comes back to you. And more besides will be given to you who hear, you who ponder, consider, and meditate. Let me, let me unpack it a little further. James 1.22 tells us not to just be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word. Now, those of us who love executing in checklists are like, yep, let's do that. But here's what the word means. It's a Greek word, poetes. And it means a poetic performer. Think about this. Don't just hear the word. Meditate and study on it like your favorite actor who is portraying some significant figure in history. And that person did so much research and study, talked to that person so much that how they portrayed that person, you, you thought they were them. Because they had studied it. They had interacted emotionally with it. This is how you and I are to interact with the Word of God. We're to be poetic performers, creatively thinking through. When we read passages, my God, my Father who sits in heaven, who is the ruler of all, who has all authority and power, shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory. And I begin to imagine in both my heart and my mind, and I bring my thoughts captive to the reality of his resources, of his affection, of his care and concern. This is what it means. I mean, question for you. Have you made Jesus your personal teacher and coach, or just your personal savior. I mean, Jesus is the master teacher. We, we talked about that he is the rabbi with authority. Is that who he is to you? I mean, how do you know if you're even trusting Jesus? Well, I'll give you a, a simple answer to that. You know you're trusting Jesus because you believe that everything he says is truth. 
And Luke 4 tells us, verse 32, that Jesus spoke. He had authority. Now before you, you leave that to the distant pages of Scripture, have you ever had a teacher? Have you ever had a coach in your life who spoke with authority? And what do I mean by that? They, they spoke with such passion, authority, that you paid so much attention that when they told you to do something, you immediately went out and did it. They told you a book to read. They told you an exercise to perform that would help you, help you athletically or it would help you academically and you immediately went out and did it. Does Jesus have that type of authority in your life? See, knowing Jesus as the master teacher is crucial because Jesus is the master of words. He's the master of life. John 6, 68, Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would you go? You have the words that give eternal life. That word eternal is the quality of life that God possesses. You have that type of words. Think about the way Jesus interacted with people. It's why we can follow him even as it pertains to our lips, our tongue, our mouth, our heart. Whenever he interacts with people, Jesus is always on the mark. He is always pitch perfect, always perfect with his emotions and his tone. Even in the times we see that he's getting heated in righteous indignation, like he is a great example for us to follow. Jesus is the master of life. There's another master of communication in scripture. You know who that is? Satan. He is the master of words as well. And his words bring death, because that's what he is. He is known in John 8, as the father of lies. I think sometimes we think like the kingdom of darkness is really organized. It's not, it's utter chaos. But the Bible tells us that the godly find life and the evil find death. Question. What have you been finding in your words? Now, as followers of Jesus and the master teacher, he gives us some great guidance in how we can live like he lived and operate as sons and daughters of God on this earth in the same capacity. John 15, 7 through 10. If you make yourselves at home with me and my words, or excuse me, if you make yourselves at home with me and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. This is how my Father shows who he is. When you produce grapes, when you mature as my disciples, I've loved you the way my Father has loved me. Make yourselves at home in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain intimately at home in my love. That's what I've done. Kept my Father's commands and made myself at home in his love. I mean, just for a minute, was that you this week? Did you make yourself at home in his love? Was the first thing you did when you woke up each day to just let God's words of love pour over you? That, that changed my life. My, my intimacy and relationship with the Lord, it did. Because I, I was trying for a long time to love God and love people. And what I realized is I was missing something. It was incomplete. And I started to wake up every day letting God love on me first, which instantly caused my heart to respond to him in worship made it so much easier to love people. 
Can I tell you that trying to love God and love people without being loved by God first made me exhausted. And at times I felt like I was not doing a great job. Anybody else? I guess one person in here. Yeah, of course. So let's, let's, let's just internalize for just a second. Make an assessment. That's what coaches do. What premium have you been placing on God's words in your life? How much of a priority? All right? Scale of 1 to 10. And what premium did Jesus place on the words of his Father in his life? We find patterns, principles, and we ultimately find power all throughout Scripture. Now, we see this pattern laid out. Uh, Genesis 1. God, the Father, God is speaking and he is seeing things. Things are coming into fruition. They're He's creating with his words and they're developing. Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of, the th of things which are visible. God has a purpose and he has a plan for our words. We are made in his image and his likeness. We operate on this earth according to the design in which he's given us. And Part of that is speaking his words and seeing things transformed. And ultimately, we are talking about the transformation of our hearts and the hearts within our homes. Under our care, our responsibility as priests of our homes. Let's, let's just read a little bit further, though, what's possible with the words of our mouth. Proverbs 10 and 11. You might see this image behind me. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. I want to highlight that. It does go on to say, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. But let's, for just a second, imagine if we could control our tongues. Proverbs 12, 14. Wise words brings many benefits. And hard working brings rewards. Proverbs 12, 18. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 15, 4. Kind words help and heal. Cutting words wound and maim. Psalms 107, 20 tells us he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. You know, mastery is not mastering the super complex. Most people you know that are masters of something are masters of the basics. You know, if you've ever heard the story that uh, Vince Lombardi, the famous football coach, that every time if they'd win a Super Bowl, he'd always come back and tell his team, starting that next year, this is a football. Vince Lombardi was a, a master of the basics. Mastering our mouth is such a priority, is so important, has such a, 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 a ripple effect, a domino effect to our lives. It does, all right? And so now I'm just going to walk you three ways to build my home, three tools. Had a long build up to get there, I understand. But the way that uh, you can see this is like Nehemiah. When the walls were destroyed, Nehemiah had in one hand weapon, and in the other, he had a tool. And he rebuilt the walls. And no matter how destructive your words have been to the people around you, I have good news for you. If you'll begin to align your words and your mouth 
with the word of God and what God says is the intended purpose, you can see transformation in any and every area of your life. But it's time for us to step up and be response-able to change the atmosphere of the place that we reside. Proverbs 24.3 says this, Through skillful and godly wisdom is a house, a life, a home, a family. It's built this way. And by understanding, it's established on a sound and good foundation. And by knowledge, its rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches, rare and beautiful treasures, the NIV says. This is what's possible. This is what's possible if we will sound an alarm in our hearts and grab this. So here's the first way to build my home. Pretty simple. Spoken words. Wow, Brad. Absolutely incredible. Well, let let me give you a framework that Paul lays out in Ephesians that'll help us specific to spoken words. Ephesians 1, 16 through 18. And ask yourself, is this what I do? I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are, who are his rich and glorious inherit, inheritance. There is a pattern here for your spoken words. The first pattern is to give nonstop thanks and gratitude for the people in your life, your boss, that person who upsets you, your ex, your children. Think about what would be taking shape if we stopped housing in our hearts the hurt and the pain, and instead we allowed God to begin to bring his word, and we began to speak that and give thanks for people in our lives. What could be possible? Second, constant prayer. The prayer is just communication. It's speaking words to God. But what words are are here outlined in Ephesians? Asking God to give you spiritual wisdom and insight that you might grow in your knowledge of God. Is that how you pray for the people in your home? I pray your hearts will be flooded with light so you can understand the confident hope he's given to those he called. This is how you and I are to pray. And the third thing there is that we, that we know spoken words, uh, we have the ability to do is to bless. We did it today. Blessing. We spoke blessing. Were, were any of you like, oh, ew, no, no, I don't need you to bless me. No, don't, don't say the Lord bless you and keep you. No. How many of you actually, you, you were refreshed by it? How many of you, like, if that happened multiple times a day, uh, you, you'd be okay with it. Not just the routine of it, but you'd be like, yeah, I, I like that. Right. The world is so hungry and so thirsty for spoken blessing. Ephesians 4.29 says, do not let unwholesome, foul, profane, worthless, vulgar words ever come out of your mouth. Brad, we, we, we read earlier, we all make many mistakes. We do. But this is the vision. You're, you're not a robot, by the way. But this is, this is the vision. Uh, don't let them ever come out of your mouth, but only such speech as is good for building up others, 
according to the need and the occasion so that it will be a blessing to those who hear. And the Amplified says, you speak. Hear you speak. Let me give you a practical way that we can apply this. You know, our, our phones can be tools of a lot of destructions. Um, we can basically say whatever we want to say instantaneously, and we can gossip and destroy. We can do that. We can. But we can also build and breathe courage and breathe life into people. And the way that I have used my phone to be a blessing and to give spoken words is by two things on my phone. One is the voice memos where you can record your voice just speaking and then you can click a button and send it to somebody through text and the other is video. And sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll be driving into work, I'll pull into the parking space and I'll take two minutes and I'll just light up. One of my friends, my wife, my children, coworker, two minutes. Brad, I don't have all that kind of time, something's wrong with you if you don't have two minutes while you're parking. To be able to just look, and I've done this to my wife before, and what I'll do is I'll bring up a moment because I want her heart and her mind to be involved. And I'll be like, you know, honey, I, I love you so much today. And I want to just remind you of how fun it is doing life with you. You remember when we went to Italy and we're just walking on the streets and out of nowhere, you just stumbled and tripped and fell down. And you've done that so many times because you're just... You're kind of goofy. I, I love that about you. I love traveling the world with you. Love, Brad. Two minutes. I just did it right here. You have that power. Are you allowing your spoken words to bring honor, love, appreciation, and life? Second, written words. Written words. Let me explain that in the Greek and Hebrew and then do a deep study of it. Words you write down. Just kidding. All right, sorry. All right. How, how did Jesus overcome the temp 40 days of temptation by the devil? Luke 4. It is written. It is written. It is written. It is written. Continually he is speaking the written word of God. I, I love that. That's a, a pattern and a principle that will produce power for us, right? And, and I might be extrapolating, but there's a principle that's found in Habakkuk 2, too, as well. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision, make it plain on tablets. We could, we could change that word for paper, that he may run who reads it. So just think about it for a second. Like, what words have you been running on? And what words have the people that are in your home, what kind of words have they been running on? Is it good fuel? Is it not so good fuel? So here's what we can do. Um, sticky notes, paper. We can write words of encouragement. It's so rare and uncommon, words of thanksgiving, that there, there is just something so incredible about it. To be able to write words and then give, I mean, it does something inside of you. I want you to know this, that you have been given God-given chemicals, dopamine, serotonin, neurotransmitters that help you function better. And when you do these things, actually what happens is these chemicals actually produce joy in you. There is a benefit to doing things according to God's word. 
I was thinking uh, about this uh, just before this service. I didn't share it in the other two, but I was a youth pastor and um, I did something for my students that now, 20-something years later, I, I am seeing the reward of something that I just did kind of as a knuckleheaded kid, but, but I felt like this would be really important. And I used to have a tape recorder. That's something that you put a tape in. I'm just kidding. And, and I had a little microphone. And I would do the same thing that I just mentioned to you with my phone. I did it on tape. And I would, I would, I would get a vision for that student. And I would just speak words of life. And you know, I thought it was cute. I thought it was encouraging. thought this is great. Until 20 years later, one of my students sent me a message through Facebook telling me that he still has that tape to this day. Two minutes of just speaking life and blessing? Can you just look, look around? Like, can you imagine if everybody in here took God at his word and determined that I've, in, inside of the mouth of this righteous person, there is a fountain of life 20 years from now? What that might produce. Which brings us to the third way. The third tool is prophetic words. Prophetic words. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 3, it says, Pursue love. Love what the message says. Go after love like your life depends on it. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. Like prophecy is something that we are to desire. Prophecy is a gift. It is a communication gift. It is a relational gift that God gives to us. It's a kingdom tool. It is not a party trick. And regardless of what your ex experience is or what you've experienced with, with this, whatever disorder and chaos, I can tell you, when this is ordered in kingdom order, it's such a beautiful thing because prophecy imparts identity. I mean, it's not so far-fetched for us to understand the cloud, that information exists in the cloud, right? We don't know, we don't know exactly what that is, but it's, it's in the cloud. But God... His, his, the way he knows and sees his heart for people is so ready for us to grab, for us to quit being distracted by constant negative news and pay attention and, and, and desire to be able to share a love note from God's heart to God's creation, to pass a love note. And to understand that God's greatest desire is for us to be a part of the process to speak identity and life. Like the angel of the Lord did with Gideon. You mighty man of valor. And Gideon's over in the corner hiding. Here's, here's what prophecy does. It's always present future, not present past. Meaning the angel of the Lord didn't arrive and be like, what, what is going on with you, Gideon? Get it together, bro. You're a mighty man of valor. No, he spoke like Gideon was known in heaven. That's his true identity. And every person in here wants to know how they're spoken of 
in heaven. They desire to know their true identity. They are exhausted by all the words and the harm and the cutting remarks of what's been spoken of them on this earth. Guess what we get to do? We get to take a moment, stop, listen to the heart of God on behalf of others, and we get to tell them at times and moments how they are known, how they are thought about, how they are loved, and how they are valued in heaven. God created us to be receptors of revelation. That's why it's so important to get in his word. And it requires practice. It requires developing muscles. It requires speaking his word. It's not magic. It's not fairy dust. When the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart combine, and we have God's word in our mouth, it produces power. You with me? Okay, that's, that's good. I like it. Just for a second, I gotta take a second. Can you imagine if every year you were to go away on a vision retreat, one or two days, and just get with either some friends or couples you got together and you just, you thought about this, specifically your words. And you were just to just get away and go like, how have we been using our words? Just to, just to make an honest assessment. Ah, not, not for shame or condemnation, but to go, where are we? Where are we going with our words? And then how do we get there? And we were just to build a small plan. You really, it's a principle you can do for any area of your life. Micah 4.2 says, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of, God, of the God of Jacob. He'll teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. Do you give that much attention to these very, very important and significant parts of your life? Your words. What gets more attention from us? I think I just want us to ponder for just a second. You know, the hustle and bustle of of more, the hustle and bustle of the next thing, we often don't even realize what's guiding and directing us. And God's like, your words are pretty, pretty powerful. You should, do, you should really pay attention to that. Like, these are pretty awesome. Sometimes we get so distracted, but we just take a moment. Now, as you walked in today, um, you should have been handed an envelope, and I want you to just put that in front of you right now. Please don't open it right at this moment. But in this envelope is a word of edification, exhortation, and comfort to you. We've prayed over these words. We have, honestly, we, we've spoken that they would be like an arrow shot to your heart, that they would reach its intended purpose. And I, and I want you in just a moment, I want you to sit with them. I want you to open it up. Now, I hear some envelopes ripping. Would you slow down? Okay. Just, y'all excited. All right. Um, but I want you to just meditate on that word. We're just going to have a few moments, and then my wife's going to come up and close. But also in that envelope is a, blank, a couple of blank cards. And what I'm going to ask you to do is to take one of those blank cards, and here's how we're going to practice a starting point for the prophetic. Edification, exhortation, come. I want you to think about someone that you value, and you love them a lot. Like when you think about them right now, you're just like, you just smile, you know. And I want you to think about if you were to write words about them to describe who they are so that if you were to hand that note, you're not going to do it, but if you were going to hand that note to the person next to you, 
they would be able to capture the absolute essence and heart of that person. We're going to practice doing that because we all need to practice writing words and we all are created in the image of God to be poetic and to be warriors. Men, I'm talking to you too. We just are sometimes unpracticed. You know, if you wrote a Mother's Day note today, you might have noticed if you were a little unpracticed because it took you a little longer. You're like, uh, what's a word? Let me Google that. Let me look at other Mother's Day cards. Okay, I got it. Okay, that's because your muscle just hasn't been flexed in a while. I get it. I mean, I was a, I was a wordsmith back in the day. My wife's got a whole book of notes and uh, not so much these days, but I can, I can work on that. But if you'll just write, let your heart talk about that person, because on that other blank card, I believe God wants to show you somebody that he's been thinking about the way you think about that person of value, because God's heart, the father who has four children, my heart is in every single one of them. God's heart is in seven billion pieces, not broken, but he loves humanity. And his desire is that you and I would ca capture a vision that we would share his heart with others. All right, you can now open up those envelopes and just in this moment, meditate on those words, all right? Write those letters. ago and it's always stuck with me and it's the pen never forgets the paper or the paper never forgets the pen. There is such a power in written words. And you know, about six weeks ago, I lost my dad pretty unexpectedly and I didn't get a goodbye, which was really hard. And I remember in those couple weeks following, I just thought, gosh, I... I wish I could just know what he thought about me. I mean, I know, but I wish I could know, you know? And it was really hard. And I remember I was just opening a book in my room, had no no idea where this came from or how it got. 
there, but a, a letter fell out of the book. And it was, as soon as I saw the handwriting, I knew. And it was just his words poured out to me about what he thought about me, about who I was to him as a daughter. And those written words I'll carry with me for the rest of my life. And so as you begin to think about who needs words of life spoken from you, spoken from your heart, don't delay. It's not just a little task or something creative to do on Mother's Day. This can bring life to someone. What you say has power. So consider and pray about it and, and really deliver a word from the heart of God to the people in our lives that need it. And I know our world has been in a dry and heavy and hard season. Can you imagine if we, just in this space right now, just the people watching online, could infuse life to the people in our world? How could that impact it? Let's get a vision for what we can build. I'm going to invite our altar ministry team to come to the front at this time. And I know when we talk about things like words, it can bring up hurtful and painful things, maybe roads we've walked where people have spoken words that have hurt us, or bring up memories of the ways that we may have hurt others with our words. Or maybe it's just stirring you in this moment to say, I want to build. I need to build my home. My home needs to be built up with words, and I know God's calling me to do this, and I need to take a step. We have our team here to pray with you. They'll speak words of life over you. If you're going through a hard situation and you just need to be reminded of who you are, that's why they're here, to pray with you. So don't leave. If you need something like that, come forward and pray with someone. We want you to get what you need. But will you stand on your feet? I'm gonna pray a prayer of blessing over all of us as we dismiss. And for all the moms in the house, or those who walk in that mother role, we have a gift for you as you leave, so be sure to take that. But I'm going to speak some words of life over each one of us and ask God to bless us in our week. So, Lord, I thank you for every person in this space, God. We hear your call to build. We see the need and we say yes. God, would you strengthen us with your word? Would you remind us of what you say about us? And as we walk out these doors, God, would we use your words to speak life into every circumstance, every situation that we walk into? I thank you for blessing everyone in this space, everyone watching online today, God. Would this be a day where our words are revolutionized and our homes are built to life? In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Have a great week.